This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Bear, episode one, Beef, and episode two, Pasta. My name is Adam Hemming, and you're an aluminum core, Grace Chapman. Yo, do you ever think about purpose? <laughs> All the time. And also with us, it's the original birth, Izzy Dixon. Sometimes I look like February. <laughs> don't we all? You know, I read that line in my notes and I, because I watched these first two episodes quite as literally as soon as they came out. I couldn't recall why that February line was in there. Did it just come out in the middle of nowhere? It was, I think it was uh, Natalie talking about looking and feeling a bit shit. Someone, I think someone tells her she looks really tired. She goes, she's like, well, sometimes I look like February. And that's <laughs> how I feel sometimes. Yeah, it's a great line. I mean, you know, put it on a T-shirt, right? Exactly. So, season two, we are back. Grace, you finished season one recently, is that? Yes, that's right. Can you remind us what happened at the end of season one? Yes, I can. The biggest thing that happens at the end of season one is that Kami, you know that note that was behind the locker? Richie finally gives it to Kami. And inside it says like something like, go for it, brother, let it rip. The note that he's had framed in season two. And on the back is a recipe for the spaghetti, which they will all sit down to do as family, you know, family dinner before before opening. Anyway, Kami decides to make that recipe. And inside all of the smaller tomato tins are wads of cash, basically. So the, you know, short term solution to their problems throughout the whole of season one, has been sat in the smaller tomato tins, (laughs) which I thought was brilliant. And then the sous chef, uh, Sydney, she kind of leaves because, you know, Kami doesn't treat her with respect. And then she does come back. So they're all back together. It's a great ending and it's nice to kind of get back straight in there. I was trying to work out how much time had passed. It feels like maybe not long at all. Yeah, I don't think there's much of a gap between this season one and and the start of season two it's obviously been we've had the emmy nominations come out it's been nominated in the comedy category which we've talked about it's a bit bit bizarre i think it is a comedy drama right i think it could easily sit within both of those camps i mean having watched the first two episodes of season two this is already much funnier than season one i think i think the script is much funnier like i don't remember laughing that much in season one season one was very you know family trauma heavy But I feel like with the opening of the tins and the finding of the money and the message from Mikey, maybe that's been slightly left in season one and now we're in season two. And it definitely has a different feel to it this season so far. As I said, it's funnier. There's less of that very intense cutting of shots, which at the moment I'm missing quite a lot, like that sense of urgency in the kitchen. We're not really getting because the kitchen's not open. I think from what friends who have watched further ahead and are kind of binging it have told me that ramps up is you're sort of lulled into a bit of a sense of security for now. And I think that is coming back maybe sort of tenfold. I really like this kind of slower pace of it for these first couple of episodes, I think is really lovely because season one is so emotionally fraught and it's so complex. And it really, for me, really kind of felt like the messiness of grief and sort of family trauma and how you try and untangle all of that. And it feels like right now we're having a little bit of breathing room and it feels like this season's trajectory is what next? So once you've worked all that out, what do you do? What's the next step? I loved the bit in episode one of Richie trying to navigate and find his purpose and just, just be really stuck. I think is, you know, I think that's going to be something we see play out across the season. And I'm really excited for that. 
yeah, it's a lovely, a lovely performance by Evan Moss Bacharach in that. And that, yeah, him trying to find his place in this new restaurant that they're creating and, and you know, inevitably he's causing more problems than he's solving. Or We may not be getting the quick cut away shots, but we're getting a few musical montages, which I'm quite enjoying. Yeah, they've got a really different feel, haven't they? Yeah, the opening one gives you the Chicago cityscape to the tune of The Show Goes On by Bruce Hornsby. And we get footage of them taking the sign down and and the effect, taking the photos off the wall and, and that whole thing of them starting to tear down the old restaurant so they can build the new one. I really liked how, like you, Izzy, I don't necessarily mind that that fast paced isn't quite back yet. I'm quite enjoying this new, the bare feel. But I just love how the chaos has rolled on. Like, a lot of chaos that is happening in this restaurant. It just seems like maybe it's like cursed or something. I mean, I think in the first episode, we get the broken sign. We get uh, Sydney falling through a wall. And then we get the, that alarm that won't stop going off. And I just, I think it's really clever the way it, it never lets, even though when getting less of the cutting, the tension never, ever drops. There's always something that's gone wrong. I mean, it rolls on, doesn't it, into that second episode. You've got problems with the gas and then they find mould. And it's like, you know, you remove one mm. one thing, one bit of gaffer tape or something. It's a, a little bit like the space, to be fair. You move one thing and then suddenly <laughs> everything else falls apart. I really love that. And I think one of the funniest visual moments of comedy for me was in episode two with Richie banging on the ceiling with a broom and the whole ceiling coming down. Just like a classic comedy gag and it was great. There's almost like a meta moment there because all this stuff falls down and then something else falls on his head. And then he looks up and he's like, are you done now? And then something else. It's almost like he's talking to the crew who are throwing things down there. But yeah, lovely stuff. I want to talk about the cold open that we see sort of Marcus looking after a relative hospital bed. And he's kind of always out of shots. We sort of focused on that on the bed, really, and actually on the stuff in the foreground of that uh, room. But he's kind of always out of shot. And then and then even when he's out there in, in his car, he's obscured by the windscreen. And it's like we can't really see him properly in that, that opening. I thought it was really effective. Yeah, I think this was really, really gorgeous. It was a great way to start the series. And because I have accidentally been spoiled on this, do we know who that is in the first two episodes? I can't fully remember. OK, so I do know who it is because someone's let slip. But I do think what it's setting up in a really interesting way is that this um, this new adventure, them creating this new restaurant, is going to cost all of them personally. They're going to have to sacrifice a lot. And I really like that setup being done in such a visual way right from the start of episode one. I feel like we had a very calmy and Richie heavy season one. You know, it was really about their relationship with Mikey and all of this, especially Carmi, like such a lead protagonist figure. But in scenes like season two, some of the smaller characters are having, like, given, are going to give be given a proper, like, arc, a narrative arc. It's like Marcus. And then is it Ebra? Culinary school. Um, obviously, Tina's going to have a really interesting story this season. So it feels like it'd be interesting to see how Carmi kind of slots into that. But yeah, I feel like those smaller characters are being lifted up more into the narrative, which I really don't mind at all. Adam from the future here, just to say that my internet failed me at this point. So there was some horrible audio of me talking about Sydney asking Tina to become a sous chef and the joy of watching her reaction to that as this big smile spread across her face. And then I started talking about Ebra. It doesn't want to wear a uniform at the culinary school. And he's kind of there 
he's being a little bit slower than perhaps the others are and he's there after everybody else has left yeah he's sort of cutting the celery incredibly slowly and he's also like as the shot pans out he's got like quite a lot of food on the floor around him and it's just like a really beautiful shot to show that he's you know possibly out of his depth doesn't feel confident in that environment so I think his story is going to be really interesting. And just to go back to that Tina Sydney moment, that was also one of my absolute favourite moments of the first two episodes. And actually their relationship is one of my favourite things about season one. Like it really came from not even nothing. It came from like minus 10. They just were not getting on. Yeah. Real power, struggle, a real lack of respect from Tina to Sydney. And there's that amazing moment in season one where Sydney tries to appeal to her as a woman in the kitchen. You know, I understand. And Tina just shouts her down. And so to get to this place and then to have the kind of growth from there, I think that relationship is one of my favourite things about, about the series so far. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's such an integral part of season one. And Tina was such a character that just really, really grew on me. Like, you know, you're obviously meant to find her quite antagonistic in season one, but actually you really come to understand her. And I think her love for for Michael as well, and that, you know, he was a very difficult person to work under, but they were like a family. That kind of, you know, that conversation she has with Kami really sort of gives a lot of depth to that character and you sort of get her. And yeah, the relationship with Sydney and that blossoming has been a really, really gorgeous part of the show. It's interesting how Mikey is still a presence within the show. You know, he overhangs the whole of season one, really. And, you you know, yes, you find out more in that finale of season one. But we get the situation with the lockers. They don't want to move the lockers. It's a big argument about that. And then they need to cut through the padlock on Mikey's locker. And they find his, you know, all that's in there is a cap. But the meaning of that cap to the people as they receive it. And then also, you know, there's the, the poster situation. And there's a few other little moments where Mikey is still there as a presence in the in the restaurant yeah that that moment you're talking about Adam with the locker being undone was like my favorite bit of dialogue of the two episodes because in four lines they say so little but they say so much so the four lines are June the 5th 2010 taste of Chicago the booths that was really fun and that's it and you're just you in your head you've you've got a whole environment story maybe what Mikey was doing and it's a it's a nice memory I just thought that was expert writing yeah definitely one of the other montages I wanted to talk about was the end of episode one I know we're jumping about a bit here that the planning montage uh, they've, they've worked out they've got to do everything within a certain period of time but it's just post-it notes and pens and calendars all over the place <laughs> and it ends with them saying is this a terrible idea really satisfying stuff one thing I love is that they're really embracing chaos at the heart of, as a theme at the heart of the show, to the point where chaos cooking, which is a culinary term, which I had to look up, is what they're trying to do with the menu, which I love. So chaos cooking, let me just find the, the little explanation of it because I got it up before we did this podcast. Chaos cooking is a term used to define a combination of ingredients that don't typically go together in a cohesive dish, but that can have surprisingly positive results. Cherry vinegar. Yeah, which I think is really, really interesting. It's, you know, chaos is such a big thing at the heart of the bear, both in the form of the show and in the themes of the show. And I think you could also say that about the characters as well, is that they're a group of people who you might not put together and expect a successful restaurant, but something magic has come out of it. Yeah, I think they say, don't they say chaos cooking, but thoughtful? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what the bear is. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I love Kami's inability to do maths. <laughs> it's brilliant. They're putting this budget together on a cardboard box and he keeps missing off 10K as he's totting it all up. And then again, that's kind of called back when they they have a meeting with Oliver Platt's character, don't they? They're looking for investment from Oliver Platt's character, uh, Cicero, isn't it? And he says, if he makes a deal, if you don't get your money back in 18 months, you can have it all. Like the plot of land is is worth, you know, five million. And they're like, well, no, actually, it's really worth about two. But yeah, that's the kind of pressure that they're under. They put themselves under this pressure by saying, you know, we're going to get your money back in 18 months time. Yeah, and Kami's like, we've only got 18 months. And they're like, you suggested 18 months. That was you. <laughs> it's not even 18 months to get the restaurant up. It's 18 months to turn a profit and get the money back. How constricted that timeline is. And what I really love is that the first episode is kind of that slower pace. And then that that little line at the end of season, um, sorry, episode one, just puts a firecracker under it. And I think it's going to rev up from this point. They tell him it's a CP, a Kami problem. I quite like the dynamic between Sydney and Nat. So Nat's being brought on as a project manager. I think her her story as well is really interesting, right? She's she's having this conversation on the phone where she's talking about the fact that she never really wanted to go to the restaurant when Mikey was there, but now she can't stay away. And then also the revelation that she's pregnant. And then you realise she's, she's telling all of this to a plumber. <laughs> Next to the gurgling toilet. Loved that. And yeah, the Sydney and Nat- Natalie relationship's great. And the the fact that Sydney's like, so, so you are coming in tomorrow. And Natalie's like, I haven't decided. And Sydney's like, I live in hope. <laughs> in comparison to season one, I think just the script just felt like there not a line was wasted. Like it was absolutely full of great one-liners, great callbacks, really characterful. Having just finished season one, I'd say the, the script for season two so far is definitely even better, um, which I'm absolutely loving. Yeah, because I I honestly, when season two was announced, I was really in two minds about whether I was going to watch it because I loved season one so much. And I just thought it was such a perfect show and such a perfect 10 episodes. I'm so glad I did because it's so rare that second seasons are as good or surpass the original. And so far, I feel like this really, really is matching it. And if if general reviews and the kind of general vibe of the internet has anything to go by, I don't think that tails off. Great. What do we think about Kami in season two? Because I feel like he's less the central focus. He also looks like he's had a good night's sleep, which I'm thrilled for him. I mean, he's still keeping his jeans in the oven. But what do, what do we think? What do we think is going to happen there? Well, there's that question that Richard Richie asks him when he's talking about purpose and Richie's Richie's worried about being dropped by them all like everyone moving on and him not having a place anymore he he says to Kami that you know you're having fun and I'm worried about all of this and Kami's like well I'm not having fun and Richie asks him what is fun for you and I think that's going to be Kami's journey is finding out what fun is but we do get this meeting with Claire played by Molly Gordon in the supermarket yeah, the emergency doctor. So I think they obviously know each other from before, maybe from school or high school, because they mention a teacher by ne- but sort of miss something. So there's definitely a shared history there, maybe a shared romantic history, potentially, or all the sense that it could have happened, but it didn't happen. I really enjoyed this little vignette with them. And I thought she was already a really, really great character from the start. I do think he gave her the wrong number. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty convinced he's given her the wrong number. He I thought, strongly got that vibe. He thought too much about it. 
like the it is I, I just picked up I was like that's not the right number he's given her and I wonder if you know there's a sense of I have to stay focused a bit like well my boyfriend Krzysztof mentioned whiplash as a kind of reference point of being like I can't have any distractions just have a sneaking suspicion that wasn't the right number I think he got a digit wrong on purpose there he kind of slowed down before the last digit didn't he and there was just a it's like a five four two <laughs> yeah, it was a, that's the big old fake number right there it was a very rogue two i'd say at the end <laughs> i mean as someone who'd never even think of giving someone the wrong number i totally didn't pick up on that at all but um <laughs> but no good shout i will um yeah there's a, a lovely line in there of she's talking about she says she knows the name of the restaurant already and he's like how we haven't told anyone and she says, you're the bear and I remember you. He's he's obviously meant something to her in the past. Yeah, I do think, I think you're right in that this series is going to be about Kami understanding what fun is or learning what fun is. And it's going to be about Richie learning what purpose is or finding purpose. So that's two very sort of different journeys. And there's an amazing line in, in season two, which I didn't write down uh, in episode two, sorry. She didn't write down where he's talking to Sydney about what it felt like to win the third Michelin star. And that, he immediately did you write it down grace i've got it go on got your back something like uh, yeah my brain bypasses any sense of joy and attaches itself to dread yeah and it's like i I, you know he just felt sheer panic at the idea of it being lost and that surpassed any joy of like actually celebrating that he got it Mm -hmm. that's so identifiable i think to so many of us but also also he's got this incredible talent he's an amazing chef but it's just once once you've got that, there's always a the goalposts always move, right? There's always like the next step. And you can never just be happy and be like, okay, well, I've got this. And part of the challenge of opening this restaurant, which is gonna mean so much to him because of Mikey, because of the sort of long-term dream, is gonna be actually enjoying it when it opens. That conversation between Kami and Sydney, I thought was really lovely. And she tells him a story about pasta, which resulted in her moving in with her dad. And we get, I don't remember whether we had much of this in season one about her family life before, but we do learn a lot in these, these, certainly the second episode about Sydney and her family situation. So she's moved in with her dad and Kami asks, is your mum cool? And she's kind of got this non-committal, yeah. But later on in the scene with her dad, we learn that her mum's passed away when she was quite young. I don't think we got this in season one, did did we? I mean, it's been a while since I've watched season one, but I don't remember picking up on this. No, the only bit of Sydney you get at home is a kind of repeat thing where she either leaves or comes into the house and says either, hi, dad, or sorry, I'm loud to her dad. That's it. You don't meet her dad. That's all you get. So to have this this sort of added layer is is really brilliant. And I thought that scene between her and her dad was so gorgeous. It was like so perfectly pitched, the joy of the memory of her of her mum and especially the joy of hearing her dad talk about the early dating of, of her mum. You know, the kind of when you hear this, you're like, I wasn't even around and you guys were together, you know, and then and then that sense of real pain and, and her saying, I think her line is, um, I realise I'm older than her now, which if you've lost someone is always quite a big moment. It was just really lovely, I thought, really beautiful. I think she's fantastic, Io Edabiri, uh, in this. I think, you know, you get a lot of close-ups of these these characters. There's a lot of the camera in, in their faces. And, it, you know, they have to be on top of their game, I think. But they're such 
authentic and natural performances as well. I'm just delighted that she's up for a, for an Emmy for it. Totally. And I don't know what you think, but like when we finished season one, there was a scene between her and Marcus where she was cooking for him at her house because he was essentially sleeping at the in the restaurant. And there was a kind of friendship, but a, a little bit of flirting I picked up. And then there was a couple of moments in, in the first bit of season two where, I don't know, I picked up a little a little energy. Did anyone else or am I parking up the wrong tree here? Oh, maybe. He comes in with that line, doesn't he? Of, of you know, you, you're an aluminum aluminum core, and there's the sort of banter about whether he was waiting there to say that line or whether he just thought of it as he arrived. Yeah, there was that bit, and there was one other bit that I just picked up. I was like, mm, I don't know if there's something going on there. I also find her relationship with Richie absolutely fascinating. I mean, the last thing that happened between them was she stabbed him in the butt. <laughs> yes, a great moment. <laughs> And I think there's only one moment when they're together on their own in this in this uh, series two so far, and they don't really talk. It's super awkward because they're passing each other in the corridor and they're like just very much sort of keeping their distance from each other. There must be a moment where she's holding a knife and he passes and there must be some comedy in that somewhere. Any, any other moments that you wanted to pick up on, talk about in these first two episodes? I really enjoyed Richie and, and Fack have been having this argument sort of constantly really about the lockers need moving. Richie's kind of trying to be this sort of alpha alpha boss over Fack and Marcus. And then Fack calls Nat. They, they tell him off for calling mom. But Marcus points out that Richie was, was actually wrong. And then Richie just backhand slaps him on the cheek. <laughs> and his reaction to that is brilliant. It's so funny. I also just want to give a shout out to Richie's password, <laughs> which I think was Go Fast Boats Mojito. All one word. No capital. Yeah, that, that was a laugh out loud moment for me. Yeah, there's a lovely moment where Okami uh, does that I'm sorry sign, sign language version of I'm sorry, which was just something that he used to do with another chef or somebody else where... They were in the kitchen and having an argument or something and, and it was uh, a sort of shorthand for them to say, you know, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, we'll definitely see that again. And also, I wonder if in this series, they talked a bit about having to bring in new team members, young, enthusiastic chefs. I wonder if we'll get introduction to new characters at any point. But yeah, I feel like, don't think this opening is going to go smoothly, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> But I do think, because like you, Adam, I was a bit confused about the the its place in the comedy category at the Emmys. But I do wonder if maybe they knew that season two would be funnier, that they felt like they should get in there now. Possibly. Or maybe that was always the intention for it to be a comedy and such a brilliant show. Yeah, I think I would call it a dramedy. Definitely sits on the line. I've used that phrase twice tonight. Uh, <laughs> but it definitely sits on the line between the two, doesn't it? Yeah. Grand. I think, are we, are we done with these first two episodes then? I think our plan is to maybe watch the next three, should we say? Yeah. Before we record again. I've heard that episode six is an hour-long episode and quite a significant one. So I'm thinking we build up to that maybe and do episodes three, four and five next. We're not going to stress ourselves by putting any time limit on it. So I can't tell you when the next episode of our <laughs> podcast on the bear will come. But we're definitely committed to doing it because I think we all love this show so much. Yes, Chef. I, they started calling him, early on in episode one, they're calling him Jeffrey. 
And it took me a moment to go, ah, oh, because of Yes, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, so I think Yes, Jeff was Tina's subverting of the power structures of season one. And now it's clearly become a thing that they say. But yeah, I like that that was brought forward and, and made even bigger. Jeffrey. <laughs> They're so good at callbacks, which is just one of my favourite parts of the show. Yeah, fantastic. Adam from the future back again for another internet fail. This time we missed completely me giving you the social media handles, which as you all know by now are at tvdnapod, um, or you can email tvdnapod at gmail.com to share any of your thoughts with us. Uh, we have just recorded our latest watch list episode where we curated a watch list for Mike Carter and talked about the sixth commandment. And we've got loads of stuff in our back catalogue for you to listen to any favourite lines from these two episodes to finish us off with I mean there's so many we said a lot of mine but uh, I just I think let's give a shout out to Sydney's very ambitious let's get a star lovely stuff my, my, mine is I've mentioned mine already but um, you're the bear and I remember you corner I can't top those so let's end on those yes I can so uh Yes, that's yes, I can. <laughs> it was only recent in my short term memory. I think Adam's frozen. Adam, you yeah, frozen? I think she's fantastic. Oh. Can you hear me? You're frozen. We can hear hello, you. Hello, hello. Frozen. The pensive in thought. I might turn my camera. Turn your camera off. I'll turn my camera off for a bit. Yeah, has that helped? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah.